on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Critics Corner Podcast. Very special edition of the pod. We are doing our college football season preview. And, you know, in the weeks following, every week this season, we're going to be doing college football podcasts with none other than Joe Sieben. Joe, welcome on the podcast. Excited to uh, have you on for this college season. Appreciate you having me on. Excited to be on here a lot more frequently for college football and, and can't be more excited. I mean, college football, I think it's the, the best sport out there, the best season. Yeah, I mean, you can't beat the passion, the energy. Um, I mean, parody can lack. I mean, there's definitely more parody in the NFL. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. But, um, you know, growing up Michigan fan, um, I mean, I've just college football is ingrained uh, in, in my in my fall and I mean, obviously growing up down South too, it's only intensified uh, with the SEC. I was always, you know, the, the odd man out because Michigan was atrocious when I was in middle school, high school, and all the SEC fans would just crap on me. But finally, Michigan is good. And of course, I'm living in the Midwest now. Um, but I digress. This is going to be a loaded, loaded podcast. So I don't want to spend too much time, you know, uh, in the intro. Um, but just to give you guys an outline of the podcast, if you want to skip around to different parts, we're going to start. You know, talking a little bit of an off-season recap and a week zero recap. Uh, I'm going to talk about the realignment um, as well that we saw this off-season. Then we're going to go into some some categories, some superlatives. Uh, for example, uh, you know, preseason top five team that will disappoint because there's always you know one of those teams in in the top ten, top five in the in AP poll that kind of fall off a cliff. Have you know that amongst others in that section of the pod. And then we're going to be doing our predictions, Heisman conference picks. Uh, our playoff picks um, and, and and some other stuff in there as well. So, I mean, without further ado, I think before we get into the season preview stuff, we can talk about what the off season that was. Obviously we, we, you know, you can't talk college football at this point without talking realignment. And um, just to recap some of the moves that we're going to be seeing this season and next season, this year, there's already, you know, the big 12 looks a lot different. We're seeing Cincinnati, BYU, Houston, and UCF in the Big 12 this season. Then next year, they're going to add Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah because of the the fall of the Pac-12. Um, obviously, next year, we'll have UC, UCLA, USC, Oregon, and Washington moving to the Big 10. And then Oklahoma and Texas are moving over to the SEC next year. SMU, Stanford, and Cal are currently in talks with the ACC. Right now, the, the major talk is you know what happens with those four teams that are left in the Pac-12. Where do they go? Um, but it's it's been quite a lot over the past you know really you know two years um, with uh, USC UCLA and then even like you know ten years ago there was a huge wave of realignment as well. I'm curious your thoughts. Are are you a, an overall fan of of realignment? Uh, not yay nay thoughts. Money talks. Money talks. So it's it's obviously money's driving this conversation. TV deals. Um, I think as a fan you lose a lot of those traditions, those rivalries, being a big 10 fan grew up in Minnesota. Minnesota is my favorite team, the big 10, you know, none of those teams are leaving. So it's staying like that. And they're, they're adding a couple of teams, which will be really interesting. UCLA, USC, Oregon, Washington. So the big 10's history with those rivalries are still staying, but you can just see with all the other conferences, all that's going away. It's a money grab, the big TV deals, make it sure you're in, you're in a power conference. Um, one conference I thought that did really well, you know, when Texas and Oklahoma decided to leave, they looked like Big 12 was on the down and out. Like they could have been what the Pac-12 is now, but they added those um, American teams um, and BYU going from independent to the conference. 
and now potentially adding, if they wanted to, like Oklahoma State, or not Oklahoma State, um, Oregon State and Washington State. They're also getting Arizona, uh, ASU, Colorado, Utah. That the Big 12 bounced back. Pac-12 just didn't create a media deal for their own teams, and nobody wanted it, so it just started disbanding. Um, SEC is still going to be the powerhouse. They get whoever they want. It sounds like they don't really want anybody else. Yeah. I'll be curious what the ACC does. It doesn't really make sense for Stanford and Cal to be in it. But Stanford and Cal, like, academically are huge programs. And, right. you know, 10 years ago, if this had been happening, Stanford would have been a shoe into the Big Ten with Andrew Locke and how Shaw was running the program. Yeah. Like, they were they were dominant. They were in the, the playoff discussion, essentially. Um, but now they're just kind of a bottom feeder, which is which is sad to see, I think, for the Pac-12. All that's going away. Yeah, that's an interesting point uh, on Stanford. And, yeah, the ACC has been relatively quiet. Uh, bringing in Stanford Cal, I mean, they're, they're so, like, geographically, this makes no sense. And I wrote, I wrote about it last summer when you, you, uh, USC and UCLA joined uh, the Big Ten, just how obviously this is all money driven. Like you said, like there's no way to like even remotely sugarcoat it. Like they, they can't lie to us. We know what it's all about. And I get it for football, but I feel bad for like all the other, you know, athletes out there, like the, the women's soccer team or, or even the baseball team. Like these guys and girls are going to have to travel on complete other side of the country, you know, miss two, three days of class every single week. It's, it's going to become more of like, it already was a full-time job just in the regular conferences. Now it's going to be, I mean, even worse than like a full-time, we don't mean you don't travel for our job that, that much. So, I mean, I just feel bad for these student athletes and you know that they're going to end up having to cut a ton of sports just because of the sheer, you know, budgetary reasons flying cross country. It's just hotels, flights, et cetera. It's just all going to continue to add up. I mean, I know the TV deals will be more lucrative for these schools, but still, I mean, none of those other, you know, really sports outside of football and, and basketball at some schools and baseball at a very few select schools, none of them, none of the other sports make money. So um, it, it's kind of sad to see that for, for the common athlete. Well, and, it, and not only does money drive it, but it's football that's driving it. Football is the main sport. Like there was even a little bit of talk, I think, about like UConn maybe moving to like the Big 12 and stuff just because they're so dominant at basketball. But even that doesn't move the needle. It simply is just, are you a powerhouse in football or at least, you know, a big program? Boom, we want you or boom, we don't want you. Yeah. And I'm trying to keep like an open mind um, to it. You know, being uh, such a, a big Michigan fan, Big Ten fan specifically, like it will be cool to see us play UCLA, USC, Oregon, Washington, you know, every every other year, every year, whatever. Uh, it's going to be weird at first, um, just like it was Rutgers and Maryland, which, I mean, those two never caught on. Luckily, the teams that the Big Ten are adding you know, is, are much bigger programs than, than Rutgers and Maryland. It's, it's going to take some getting used to. But most importantly, this is the last season of a somewhat normal college football landscape that you know that we're, we, we're used to growing up watching. So I think we really, really, really have to enjoy the season for what it is. Some of those rivalries that are going away, you know, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, this is the last year of that rivalry as far as we know. So take, take this year to just enjoy the football, enjoy the somewhat sense of normalcy, mm-hmm. even though, you know, college athletics at this point are, are kind of the wild, wild west. Um, and we might hit a breaking point at some point here soon, but just enjoy the season for what it is. Yeah. And we'll see if some of those teams feel that way. So I'm, I'm looking at Oregon State and Washington State. Like they've got a big chip on their shoulder this year. I mean, they're kind of nobody wants them right now. They're hoping, I think, to go to the Big 12. Otherwise, they're probably going to have to end up going to the Mountain West, which is definitely a step down for them. But we'll see. I mean, I, I think as a fan in a perfect world, you'd love yeah. for the conferences to stay the same. 
traditions, rivalries. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it makes sense with the money and everything. And I think for both of us as a Big Ten fan, it's easier because those teams aren't leaving. We're just adding, you know, powerhouse programs and, and uh, traditions. So it's cool for that reason. But as an overall landscape, it, it hurts to see. I mean, come on. We, we could have kicked Rutgers and, you know, can the ACC take Rutgers? Can or the Rutgers. Like, no, Rutgers. No one wants Rutgers, man. And I read an athletic article that, that – that athletic program is like it hasn't really benefited from moving to the Big Ten. They're still losing a lot of money, uh, and I, so. I think the Big Ten was like, "Oh, we're gonna get Rutgers. It'll be like our our East Coast, like New York City, like university and program." It's like that's just not what it is, and it, it just hasn't really parlayed into that. Yeah, no one college football is not very big in New York City. Uh, you know, unless you went to one of those big schools like a Michigan, a USC, and you're living there. But yeah. no, no one in 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 New York City, who cares about Rutgers football? No one is going from Manhattan to Piscataway, New Jersey, to watch Rutgers or watch them hey, on TV. The Big Ten's got New York's team, and they got Chicago's team with Northwestern, baby. <laughs> and now they're they're going to have LA's teams as well. So it's yeah, exactly. coast to coast. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be weird, um, but we'll see. And also, before we get into the preview part of the podcast, we just got to talk briefly about Week Zero. Yeah. Obviously, you know, we've got some preliminary action last week usc and notre dame were, were on the field um notre dame drubbing navy in ireland that was kind of cool to see that stadium sold out and then usc honestly kind of struggling with san jose state early pulling away for a nice win any any takeaways um from from the from week zero i i've got a line i'm gonna say it all season good teams win great teams cover legendary teams do both san Ooh. jose's State covered this week. It was close, only a couple of points. But I mean, USC, Caleb Williams looked dominant. I think the big question for them all year is going to be can the defense stop the bleeding, essentially? You know, they're going to put up points. Caleb Williams is going to have hundreds of yards, touchdowns, the, whole, the highlight real plays. Um, but can that defense shut him down? Um, Notre Dame obviously looked fantastic, but it was against Navy, who's down right now as a program. So Hartman looked great. And, you know, I think he could take him as, uh, I think Notre Dame goes as far as Hartman takes him. Yeah, Notre Dame has a, a tough schedule. Second year of Marcus Freeman as, as the head coach. Navy lost their coach, their longtime coach. I can't remember uh, his name off the top of my head, but he's gone. So, you know, interesting um, game to see them play in Ireland. I don't really have any major takeaways. USC, we're, I'm going to get into them later. I have some 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 discussion for USC. Uh, but we did get to see some of the, the new rule changes. You know, nothing major like MLB did this year, but... Um, the clock is now rolling after a first down, except for the last two minutes of the second and fourth quarters. So similar to you know NFL style, which I've been asking for for years and years, um, just because you know some of these college football games have gotten so long. I'm not trying to sit there. I love college football. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not I'm not trying to sit there and watch a football game for four four and a half hours on Saturday afternoon. You know, it made it especially hard to watch any non Michigan game. Obviously, I'll sit down and watch every single Michigan game for that long, but you know, Texas Tech versus Oklahoma State. Like, I'm not going to sit there for four or four and a half hours and watch that game into in its entirety. And people were complaining. They don't like it. And they were saying, if you want it to be, if you want to be the NFL, go watch the NFL, et cetera. But I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, Navy and Notre Dame wasn't a great example just because of Navy running that triple option. The ball was on the ground the whole game. The clock was running. I think this is a good thing for college football. I, yeah, I think it'll be good. I think the big question will become, you know, what happens when it affects a game, when there's some type of controversy around it, and people are like, oh, that actually affected the game there. That's different. So I'm good with it for now. I think, you know, shave a couple minutes off the clock. Same thing with, like, 
the pitch clock in baseball. Like change is hard, especially in leagues that have been around for so long. There's traditions, but I think if it saves a couple minutes and and uh, keeps the pace of play going, um, I'm all for it right now. Yeah, it'll be a little interesting just because obviously you know the college football it isn't as good of a product as the NFL. Obviously, in the NFL, they are professional football players, so they know you know they can get the play call play calls in quicker because they have you know the headset with the quarterback whereas in the college football they're coming from the sideline so the clock's ticking now that play clock starts you know a little bit faster will will they get time crunched uh in in big situations and games um that'll be interesting to watch you know these these are college kids they're not professional football players so um it'll be more difficult for them to manage it for sure but i think as with mlb like the rule changes went over pretty well and you know but that's just something to watch um, yep. This season, agreed. Without, agreed. Without further ado, we're going to get into our categories, our support, support, whatever you want to call it. This is this is going to be a fun section of the podcast for sure. Uh, the first one that we have on our list, we have like five or six total. The first one, the team that needs a bounce back season the most, team that was not great last year, maybe not great the year before, the year before that, that needs to bounce back with with a good season you know eight and four depending on the school nine and three ten and two or even eleven and one who knows maybe a playoff appearance joe who are you going with for the first category we're going down to texas mm-hmm. we're not going to austin we're going to college station station jimbo fisher five and seven last year big contract everyone's talking about the buyout is super high they want to keep him around they still believe in him the recruiting's been there. The players are there. The talent is there. Can they play to the talent level? They need a bounce back season. I think, to their credit, they do have a good year this year. I don't think they're going to the playoff, um, but I think they have a good year. I think they bounce back. And I think if they go five and seven again, like he's out, he's gone. It doesn't matter about the money. They've got boosters that'll pay that fine. They'll pay that every day of the week. And it keeps going down every year, anyways. Yes. Uh, but I think um, I'll get into this later, but I think they knock off Alabama. I think they take yeah. down the beast. And then they lose to LSU, a couple games like that that they should. But I think they knock off Alabama, um, Ole Miss. They pick up some good wins that other years they should win. Um, maybe an 8-4, and 9-3 year, a respectable um, that keeps Jimbo around. And, and certainly a bounce back compared to 5-7. and seven. Yeah, A&M, absolutely. They need to have a bounce back season. 8-4 and four in 2021, which is a huge disappointment for their standards. 5-7 and seven last year. They lost to Appalachian State last year. That was tough. You just can't do that if you're a power, you know, SEC program. And they they finished the year last year knocking off, and the game didn't matter. But they beat LSU, um, which I'm I'm super high on LSU this year. But there's something about that where they just played well when nothing was on the line, and and I think they can move that into this year as well. Nothing was on the line for them in that game, but LSU had like a sneaky outside chance of making yeah. a playoff. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Is that a momentum carrying win that remains to be seen? Uh, they got Bama at home, but then they have to go to Tennessee the next week. That's going to be a tough one for them at at, at Ole Miss, uh, and then at LSU the last game of the year. They they need to, I mean, at the very least, go seven and five, eight and four. Um, and I'll, I'll talk about them a little bit later um, on the podcast. But my my team that needs a bounce back season the most is, is the Oklahoma Sooners, and you know, similar to a And M, they're coming off a very disappointing season. Uh, it is their last year in the Big 12, so they are moving over into the SEC next year. And I think that's just amplifies the pressure on this Oklahoma Sooners team. Six and seven last year, uh, they were 
I mean, really bad on defense, which is very unlike Brett Venables. You know, came over from Clemson when he was their defensive coordinator, became the head coach at OU. They were 122nd out of 131 FBS teams in total defense last year. That's just not a Brett Venables defense. That's not. That's just not what you expect to see from him. Uh, they allowed 461 yards per game, and, as well as 30 points a game, which is just ridiculous. Uh, a lot of pressure on quarterback Dylan Gabriel coming over. Uh, from UCF, his second season at the helm at Oklahoma. And it's the second year of Brent Venable. So we're going to need a bounce back season from OU this year. I think there's a lot of pressure down there because, you know, they might go over to the SEC next year and realize, I mean, shit, our, our, our playoff window, you know, it seemed like it was you know, going to be wide open moving to the SEC, moving to a power conference. All of a sudden we're losing four, four or five games a year just because the SEC is so loaded. Now, I would be one of those people that argue that SEC top half is is loaded. Is the overall depth of the conference as loaded as it, as it is hyped up to be? I don't know, but I've I've been saying that for for decades at this point. Um, but nonetheless, I think you know if Oklahoma wants to make a playoff again or you know make a run at a playoff, like it's and I, I don't think they will this year. But I think this is one of their last chances to do so. And, you know, Oklahoma, I mean, they were perennial playoff contenders under Lincoln Riley uh, before he went over to USC, obviously. Now, they didn't do well in the playoff, but they were at least in there. I expect their defense to be a lot better this year. Uh, I expect them to be a lot better this year. Uh, I don't think they're going to make the playoff, but I think they they really need a bounce back season. Yeah, 100% agree. I mean, 6-7 and seven is not the OU standard, especially in the, while they're still in the Big 12. Um, and to your credit, I think, Venables comes back. The defense is better with his guys. And I think Dylan Gabriel lights it up. He, was at, he missed a couple of games last year with a concussion. And that hurt him. They had no depth behind him. So um, they're going to ride with him for sure. Absolutely. You have a couple other ones here listed. Yeah, I, I had OU on there as well. And then I've also got Auburn. Um, That's a good one. Not necessarily with a new coach. Do they need it as bad? But I just think they've been down. You know, like you said, the SEC is loaded. It's a gauntlet. But they've just been down for a few years. They haven't been relevant for a while. So... I think they just need to bounce back a resurgence there. So who knows? Maybe they take down the beast, take down the rival Alabama this year. That would, yeah, that would be, I mean, that game's always entertaining, uh, heated rivals. And yeah, I mean, first year Hugh Freeze, um, it, Auburn is definitely, you know, I mean, they won a national title with Cam Newton. They were in another one. So against Florida state, they are a college football powerhouse. You might not necessarily think about them because they're either, you know, at the top of the pack or kind of irrelevant, but yeah, they need, they need a bounce back season under Hugh freeze in year one. Uh, I don't know if they're going to, I mean, they're in, you know, tough division in the sec. I don't know if they can do it, but I like that pick as well. Next category coach on the hottest seat. Who you got? Yeah. So my answer, and this is kind of like the Jimbo thing with the buyout. My answer was going to be Mel Tucker at yeah. Michigan State, but he's a fully guaranteed $91 million deal. They're just not going to – Michigan State's not paying that. Um, and so I don't think he's quite there yet in the hot seat due to that. Otherwise, that wasn't going to be my pick. And then I have two other ones that I went with. I went with Neil Brown at West Virginia and Tom Allen at Indiana. So a couple oh, different good. conferences. Reason being for West Virginia um, – actually, I'll start with Tom Allen at IU. They were 1-8-10 in the year last year. They're 6-18 over the last two after their whole COVID, like Cinderella season, where they kind of went on a little bit of a run yeah. um, in that division there, a couple of big upsets. 
They're on the road. They're at Michigan. They're at Penn State. They're at Illinois. They're at Purdue. They have a neutral site game versus Louisville. I just don't like their slate. I think they're going to go like four and eight, baby wars, like three and nine. That division they're in in the Big Ten, like they're just going to lose to, you know, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, I feel like every year. Um, and I just don't think they have a, a good squad. They're only returning eight starters this year. It's the lowest and the fewest in the Big Ten. Um, and I just, I just think, you know, after that Cinderella run and, and COVID, they've just gone downhill and, um, they lost that when they had Penix, that was, that yeah. was their champ right there. So they lost him too. So I think he's on a very hot seat. And then the second one, Neil Brown at West Virginia came from Troy. Um, and it seems like West Virginia has kind of bounced around. They usually get a big upset once a year. He's going to do his sixth season back-to-back losing seasons. His buyout drops a little bit after this year. Um, their first games versus Penn state, which I think they're going to get smoked in. And then the big 12 is a, a kind of a toss up, but I just feel like they're going to lose games like the newcomers, like Houston, Cincinnati, BYU. They've got Pitt. They've got Texas Tech. A lot of 50-50 games. I just think they come up short a lot. And, and uh, you know, if you're at the bottom of the Big 12, there might be some turnover. Yeah, those are those are two good ones. I think Indiana is in a really tough situation being in you know, the, that section of the Big Ten where Big Ten East, I mean, it's the best division in college football, I would, I would argue. Uh, maybe SEC West, um, but – Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, those are two, those are three top five caliber teams. You know, you could see two of those teams make the college football playoff this season. They're going to lose to those teams every year. And yeah, like you said, losing Phoenix, uh, he's a Heisman candidate this season at Washington. Tough. Uh, not necessarily like a, a football like school. Obviously, they're known for, for being a basketball school, but I, I do think there's a lot of pressure on Tom Allen there. And yeah, West Virginia is more of a football school. Like people, it's fun when West Virginia is good and relevant. Uh, Tavon Austin, shout out to him. Uh, G, uh, so, yeah, I, I agree with both of those. My pick is, is Jimbo, Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. We already talked about him five and seven last year, eight and four and twenty-one back-to-back losses to Mississippi State, uh, and you know, lost to South Carolina. They lost six straight games last season. We know how bad last last year was. He did hire Bobby Petrino as his offensive coordinator this offseason, which was a bit of a yeah, a bit of a startling move. Felt a little bit desperate, but I mean the offense was really bad last season. They were 13th in scoring in the SEC with only 22.8 points per game, 11th in rushing, 141.8 yards per game, and 10th in passing, 219.4 yards per game. Those are horrible numbers. Uh, Bobby Petrino and Jimbo Fisher both known to have quite, you know, interesting, you could say, personalities. Will they clash? Uh, that remains to be seen. You know, quarterback uh, Connor Weigman, uh, they have a solid wide receiving core. They should be better on offense, right? You know, they play Bama at home, at Tennessee, at Ole Miss, and at LSU. It's a tough schedule. I could, I mean, eight and four. I, I think for them, eight and four and maybe upset nine and three uh, mm-hmm. is, is kind of what I'm expecting from the Aggies this year. And like you said, I don't think Jimbo gets necessarily fired because the buyout after the season is $77 million which is just lunacy. I, I, I think if they go five and seven or worse, I think they pay it. I think the boosters, they show up and they just, they just kick them out the door. And and has a, has a ton of money. You know, we just saw they, they built that new stadium renovation. It's a massive stadium there. I watched the Manziel documentary much better than the Florida one, much better than the Swamp Kings one, which left out a lot of stuff. Swamp Kings was trying to make us feel good about Urban Meyer yeah. and, remind us that they won two national championships it's like we we knew that he was a bad guy and we knew that they won we won all the off the field stuff that they did not cover 
Yeah, it was disappointing. They spent so much time like deep dive, like ten minutes at a time, deep diving games. Like we don't people care more about the off the field stuff with, with those Florida teams. I mean, I will say I didn't realize Urban Meyer was that tough, you know, training wise. Holy cow. I mean, those guys went through combat. Those guys were my goodness, were they crazy? Yeah, I just I I, I couldn't I would not have been able to make it through that. Uh, nonetheless, Jimbo's buyout is massive. I don't necessarily think he, he'll get fired after this year, but I mean, if they go five and seven again, then yeah, that's on the table. Uh, the buyout's in like the sixty million dollar range next year if if he, they fire him during the twenty twenty four season. So similar situation to Mel Tucker. Just circling back, as you could say in the corporate world, to Mel Tucker. Uh, if I don't think Michigan State fires him this year, regardless, but if they go five and seven, six and six again, and then they start out next season slowly i could see them firing him in the middle of next year because uh, you know michigan state under d'antonio they were at their the peak of their powers the best that program had ever been and then they bring in mel tucker and it's kind of been downhill ever since then so he, there is certainly pressure in east lansing this season uh, and they're again in that big 10 east with michigan penn state and ohio state and those are three tough games that they're gonna have to play every single season and can can they do it but I think there's, they'll certainly be better um, than they were last year with going five and seven, but they got Washington in the non-conference going out to Seattle for that game. So that's tough. Yeah, that that's going to be tough. I like Washington this year. I like them. So we'll see that. I mean, that big 10, West, that big 10 East West is competitive, but not for the same reason <laughs> uh, that, that East is, I mean, it's a gauntlet up top. So Michigan, Ohio state, Penn state. I mean, those are kind of three losses if you're playing them every year, it seems like. Yeah, the West is competitive for college football nerds that like watching. I mean, it's definitely going to be better than it was last year. But competitive, like there's there's parity. Like you don't know who's going to win. Like it's so wide open. I feel like. Yep. All right. Next next section. Preseason top five team that will disappoint. Here you got Alabama. Alabama is the one I picked here. Um, <clears throat> there's an old saying. If you, if you have multiple quarterbacks, that means you don't have any. Mm-hmm. And Nick Saban will not name a quarterback. He's got the Notre Dame transfer, Tyler Buckner, who came over with uh, Tommy Reese yep. as the OC now there. You got Jalen Milrow from last year, and they got Simpson, who's like the four-star, five-star from a couple years ago. He's been kind of riding the pine and waiting his turn. I mean, they're all really good. They'd start a lot of programs, but I just think he hasn't picked one. I'm like, game's in a couple of days here, so... Yeah. That scares me. It doesn't seem like a very Saban-esque thing to not have a starter. I feel like he likes to pick one and let, let that person take the team and, and roll with it. Um, and especially since Milrow has played before, I feel like he would have picked a guy who's been around in the system. Or with if it was Reese's guy, boom, like let's take Buckner and just roll with it. So kind of weird that he hasn't picked one. Um, and I, I just think they're going to disappoint. And for Alabama, I mean, it's championship or bust. So if they don't win it, which I don't think they will, it's already a disappointment for the fan base. But I just think, uh, I, I'm going to call it now. Texas knocks them off in Tuscaloosa in week two. I'm going to call that one right now. Okay. Lose at Texas A&M, like I said earlier in week Ooh. six. They go down to LSU. Um, like nine and three, still a great year for a lot of programs, but not for Alabama. And who knows? I kind of said maybe Hugh Freeze knocks them off in the last week of the season if they're disappointing. Injuries, something mounts up. So I just think they don't have an Alabama season. I think they're going to be good still, like at least eight wins, but um, not a top five finish for them. Yeah, it's Alabama is in a really interesting situation this year. You mentioned the quarterbacks. All, you know, obviously, they have a lot of talent on the roster, but there's no Derrick Henry at running back. There's no Will Anderson on defense. There's no 
mega NFL draft stud on this roster. Like I'm talking top overall pick in the draft, which we're so used to with Alabama just being completely loaded with talent. It feels like it's kind of swung to Georgia in that sense, right? This is a huge, this is a huge season for Alabama. I mean, Nick Saban's in his seventies, he's a year older. How much longer does he have left Two straight disappointing seasons for, for the Crimson Tide. And when I say disappointing, that basically means not winning the national championship, right? So they didn't even make the playoff last year. They, I mean, if you're, if you're Nick Saban, if you're Alabama, you have to get back to the playoff this year. If you lose to Texas in week two, like you, you're predicting, that's, it's not going to be pretty down there in Tuscaloosa. Let me tell you that right now. And then they go at A&M. Luckily they have Tennessee and LSU at home, but those are going to be two really tough games. I think people are underrating Tennessee. And spoiler alert, I have Tennessee as a as a college football playoff dark horse team um, this season. So and, and and not having a quarterback it is is tough. So yeah, I mean we're gonna we're gonna learn about Alabama really early this year and we too. I mean they played in Austin against Texas last year. They won the game, but it wasn't very convincing. Mm-hmm. When Ewers got hurt that game, yeah. So yeah, yeah, he did. So Bama, I can I can certainly see that, um, but. If you're going pro Bama side of things, it's you can't bet against Saban. That seems to be the main thing right now. 100%. So and, and new OC. That's another thing about Alabama is those those coordinators and and, and specialty coaches just get plucked by other schools. So he's constantly yeah. having to change his every year. Yeah, which is tough. You know, if you're a player learning a new coach, learning a new system um, every single season, it's, just, it's a little bit difficult. So Bama's certainly a team to watch. Yep. Who do you got? I mean, I, I'm I'm not trying to say this as a homer pick, being a Michigan fan, but I do I do predict a disappointing season for Ohio State. And again, Ohio State, a disappointing season is not winning the Big Ten and not making the college football playoff. Ohio State should have won the national championship last year. They were up by three touchdowns against Jordan, right in, yep. in the second half. And if Marvin Harrison Jr. doesn't get that concussion in the end zone on that play in the end zone, that was a little bit too. It should have been hundred thousand percent. I will be the first person to admit that. Now that that game is long gone, uh, but uh, they they should have beaten Georgia and they would have steamrolled TCU, which was my biggest fear, obviously as a Michigan fan, because um, I I, you know, I didn't think they should have been in the playoff last year, um, but there was no I, USC just had to take care of business against Utah and they didn't right, um, and you know getting drubbed by Michigan by that many points at home uh, on the last week of the season, not playing in your in your conference championship, I didn't really think they deserved to get in the playoff, but they did. And they should have won. They should have won the national championship. Um, but this year, obviously they lose CJ Stroud to the NFL. They don't have a core. I mean, they haven't named a quarterback, right? There's the thing. Yeah. They haven't named a quarterback. It seems to be a very, uh, a theme amongst some of the teams in the, in the top five this year. Uh, right now it's, it's either going to be Kyle McCord or Devin Brown. McCord's a junior Brown's a sophomore. I'm thinking it's going to be Kyle McCord. Yeah. Um, but man, you look at Ohio State's schedule this year as well. It's not easy. They obviously they play at Michigan the last game uh, of the season, but week four they're going to South Bend playing Notre Dame, and we saw what Notre Dame looked like in week one. Sneaky yeah. tough game. And then in October October twenty first they got Penn State. That's at home. But then the next weekend they have to go to Wisconsin, who's number nineteen in the country right now. I'll get into them a little bit later, but I'm high on Wisconsin this season. And then, you know, they wrap up the season at Michigan. I'm not saying they could lose 
four games, but is there a world in which Ohio State goes like nine and three, ten and two this year? Because I mean, we saw Michigan run all over them, and you know they'll they'll say that it was only a couple of big plays that that beat them last year, but uh, those plays happened nonetheless. So. I think their defense looks soft against Michigan. Their offensive line it continues to be a major question mark, and they're breaking in a new quarterback. Obviously, they have the best, no doubt, the best wide receiving core in the country, but that won't matter if you don't have a quarterback that can get them the football. I think I think McCord will be solid, but he, he's no C.J. Stroud. I think C.J. Stroud will probably be the best Ohio State uh, quarterback in the NFL that we've seen. Maybe, I mean, I hope Justin Fields is, but nonetheless, uh, I, I don't know. I mean... I think there's a chance they can beat Michigan this year. I do. Um, but I still think th- there's an upset in there that I'll get into later. And I don't know. It's a tough schedule. I, I think the big thing for the Big Ten East is Penn State. Like, they're obviously in that upper echelon of the Big Ten. They'd win the Big Ten West, I feel like, every year if they were over there. But oh, yeah. God as they fish Michigan and Ohio State every single season. And they're they're the – they can move the needle, I think. Um, and they could knock out Michigan. They could knock off Ohio State. And, you know, who knows? Are we, are we talking about Penn State? They're a dark horse, I think, for the playoff. I don't have them going, but they could make a legitimate run if all the things go their way. Yeah, we'll get into them later when we talk uh, deep dive with the Big Ten and make our predictions for that conference. Uh, next category, moving off of disappointing team. We're going to a little more positive here. And... We're gonna. The category is team that could be this year's TCU. Now TCU started last year unranked and ended up making the national championship game. We didn't have to dig that deep. I think Joe did here. Um, but basically, a team that's under the radar, maybe in the lower half of the top twenty-five or unranked, that you think has an outside chance of making the playoff and maybe even somehow sneaking into a national championship. Yep, I got two of them. We're going back to Texas, and it ain't Austin again. We're going to Texas Tech. We also have Miami on here, but Texas Tech, two words, one name, one guy, Tyler Show from Oregon, played last season. He's back again. They've got Oregon at home week two. It's a great Boom. game. If they light that up, if they go off, that's going to turn them into, I think, a team to beat in the Big 12, and they can make a run for it. Um, they've also got at Texas uh, the last week of the season. So if they knock off Oregon and they make a run early in the year, that could be a pivotal game without divisions in the Big 12. Yeah. Um, Texas, Texas Tech in Austin last week of the season. Um, I, I just, I think it all rides on Tyler's show. It's the Big 12. Texas Tech's defense not going to be perfect. They're going to be decent, I think, at best. Um, but that offense, I think, is going to be dynamite. Um, so let's see if they can get rolling. Guns up down there. And then Miami. Miami, the U, baby. The usually have expectations. I feel like they're flying under the radar a little bit in the ACC. Clemson's, you know, king of the hill. They're hanging out up top. They're always the preseason favorite. Miami made a lot of hype last year, and they just went downhill. I think Mario Cristobal comes back. Tyler Van Dyke, again, honing down the quarterbacks. It's all about the quarterback in college football. I think he comes back. He's got a lot of talent, and he comes back. They've got Clemson and Texas A&M at home. They can make statements. They were 5-7 and seven last year, and the name of the game is play to their talent level. Play to the talent level. They're the best safeties, I think, in the country. Their defense is good. That offense has a lot of talent. I think if they put it together, they could be playing the ACC championship game. That's a really interesting pick and one that I, you know, haven't heard like anywhere in the college football landscape. I think that AM matchup week two is a very intriguing matchup. I 
A&M and Miami really kind of resemble each other in the, in the sense that they get these high prize recruits and they just don't convert them into wins. Yep. Um, and the best part is someone's got to win that game. <laughs> someone has to win that game. Mario Cristobal, uh, second season in Miami, brought in 42 new players, including 16 transfers, seven new assistant coaches, including two new coordinators. The O-line should be better. They got a UCF transfer, an Alabama transfer, and a five-star signee on that old line. Um, new corner cornerback and wide receiver are going to be concerns with them. Um, interesting schedule, Texas Tech, and they also obviously play Clemson. I like that pick. That's a really sneaky pick, and I'm with you on Texas Tech. I have them as a dark horse to make the playoff. They have a really easy schedule if they knock off Oregon in week two. They go home versus Kansas State, who's going to be good. They won the I mean, Kansas State won the Big 12 last year. People forget. And then they play TCU at home as well. I think TCU will take a step back this season. And then other than that, it's not that tough except for that Texas game in the last week of the season, which that could be that could have serious playoff implications. And I think it was just the same thing as last year. TCU came out of nowhere. And this Big 12, like everyone's looking at Texas, Oklahoma. They got the newcomers here. It, it's wide open. It is wide open. I think if, you know, someone catches fire, if they knock off those teams and get on a roll, like who's going to stop them? Yeah, 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 it's 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 a that, that's a those are two fun picks. I that would be. I think the the Big Twelve is certainly a conference that you can sneak in the playoff. Um, just I mean, because there's there's some there's some high level talent there. Uh, mm-hmm. ACC Miami's going to have to beat Clemson, and I mean, I think Miami would probably have to run the table to make the playoff. I think Texas Tech could get away, maybe losing one game. Um, it, like if they lose to Oregon in in week two but then go and beat texas in the last week of the season and that's their only loss and texas is you know top 10 team at that point in the season and then i think they have a shout and obviously you have to win the big 12 championship game as well um so good picks i'm going with wisconsin uh the more i think about this pick the less i like it but i'm gonna stick with it first year first big 10 west baby first year uh of luke fickle back in the big 10 after going 57 and 18 at cincinnati uh, transfer quarterback Tanner Mordecai from SMU. New offensive coordinator Phil Longo comes over to uh, Wisconsin. They're going to be running the air raid, which is you know not what we are familiar with uh, when you think Wisconsin football. Obviously, you think ground and pound, run the ball. You got Braylon Edwards at running back, or sorry, Bray- Braylon Allen at running back. Um, I mean, are they going to use him? He's one of the best backs in the Big Ten. Um, are they going to use them or is it just going to be a consistent error rate? I, I mean, I think you have to certainly utilize the talent that you have in Braylon Allen. Uh, the biggest question is definitely going to be their defense. Losing Jim Leonard uh, hurts them, but they had a down year last year. And I just don't think Wisconsin's going to be bad two years in a row. Um, the main reason that I think they have a really good chance at winning uh, or making the playoff is the schedule is really, really easy. Big 10 uh, West, man. Wide the, open. Big 10 West is a joke. You know, they play Iowa. That's their biggest competition in the Big Ten West. Um, they hey, don't sleep on Minnesota. Don't sleep on them Gophers. Michigan goes at Minnesota, and I'm worried about that game. But yep. Trap game. Trap game. A trap game. But Iowa, they got them at home, which is a major win. And then they got Ohio State at home. Those are both in October, the 14th and the 28th. Um, that That is, if they win those two, or even split them, they'll still win the Big Ten West, and then they'll have a chance of of going uh, to the Big Ten Championship game. Who knows who they match up against? It'll be Penn State, Ohio State, or uh, Michigan, I, I'm thinking. And, who, I mean, Air Raid could win that game. 
uh, ground and pound with, with Brandon Allen could win that game. They have a really good coach and offensive coordinator, and I like the new quarterback. Graham Mertz was not it. He's gone. Uh, we saw them play at Northwestern last year. That was one of the worst college football games I've ever been to in my life. Atmosphere in Evanston. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. I have a good feeling about Wisconsin. I'm glad Michigan is not on their schedule this year. Uh, I don't want to see them in Indianapolis if Michigan makes it again. And they're they're my they're my my dark horse team this year. That could could be this year's TCU. They're ranked to start the season, but it's my pick. We got a hell of a shot, that's for sure. Um, is Jim Leonard on the coaching staff? Or did he go somewhere? Is he just kind of taking the year off? Or I think he's gone. Uh, yeah, because he wanted it, and he was like, you know, tailor made for right. Wisconsin as a coach. But you know, Luke Fickle drops into your lap, and right. I remember your brother. Your brother was telling me that they kind of thought he was going to be the head coach when we were at the game. We were talking about it. Yeah, he's currently a senior football analyst at Illinois. Oh wow, interesting. I mean, that, that's a good guess for Illinois. Revenge game. Yeah, that's a good guess for Illinois. I have for Illinois. I don't know that defense might shut them down when they play. Right. Uh, unfortunately for Illinois, they did lose Devon Witherspoon, who that guy almost single-handedly beat Michigan. Uh, yeah. Really, really great defensive player. But they got Brett Bielema, and Illinois c- could be good again this year. But I don't think they're going to make the playoff or win the Big Ten West. And they're not on Michigan's schedule, thankfully. That was a tough game last year. Okay, next one. Game that you are most looking forward to this season? The game I am most looking forward to this season, for all the listeners, you do not have to wait long. It's coming up in just a few short days on September 3rd. It's neutral site. It's down in Orlando. It's Florida State. The Seminoles taking on LSU. This weekend, week one, kicking it off with a bang. This game last year was fantastic yeah amazing game down to the wire both of these programs are on the up and up lsu had a great year they made it the sec championship i was at a florida state game late last season versus florida you know they're on a roll mike norvell's trying to i mean they got a shot in the acc this game right here is going to set the tone for the season for both of these teams i think personally lsu sneaks one out here i think it's gonna be a fantastic game i'm also going to give um, a little shout out a couple weeks later, I'm going down to the Bayou. I'm going to Baton Rouge for LSU versus Arkansas. Ooh. Not like a marquee game, but it's SEC football. I've never been down there. I'm excited for that one. That's that's at LSU, right? At LSU, yeah. baby. So I've been I've been to Baton Rouge a few times, but I've never been to a game there. It was all they for roast them hogs. It was all for baseball trips, but I've heard those LSU fans are are some of the craziest in the entire country, if not the it, craziest. So. It's different, dude. Louisiana is different. It ain't the South. It's just Louisiana. Yeah, it really is. You better make sure to wear LSU stuff. You don't want to be an. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm going as an LSU fan. Yeah. Okay. You have. I mean, it's not even like for your safety. I need you to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I I like that pick. That's gonna be. I mean, that's Sunday night, right? So that's gonna be a really fun. Or yeah, that's Sunday night. That's Sunday night. That's gonna be a really fun one. Yeah, with and that's what's cool is like you know with the NFL off with the whole preseason change. They have these two weeks off before week one. So college football is like, hey, let's take this whole weekend. So I like that we got Sunday marquee games there. It'll be a really fun game to watch. Yeah, obviously no work on Monday as well with Labor Day. So perfect, perfect time to sit down and watch Florida LS, Florida State LSU. There's a lot of playoff implications on that game. I think the loser of this game is going to be feeling really you know bad about themselves. I think LSU has a much better chance to bounce back but they'd have to run the table in the SEC, which is going to be really tough. Whereas I think Florida State needs the game more. Now, they do play Clemson again this year as well. 
Um, but yep. the, the ACC is not the SEC. LSU has a much more difficult schedule. They have more opportunities to make up for a, loose, a loss to Florida State. Uh, but week one, week one college football is tough because there's no preseason. So you're kind of just throwing, throwing yourself out to the fire and, and, and see, see, to see what happens. Um, and I, I would make the argument that there's no point in playing these non-conference games because if you're in a good enough conference, you can run the table or lose one game to yeah. a top team. It's, it's a trap. I mean, whoever loses, you know, that's the thing. It's like, why did we schedule such a good team in week one? You know, why don't we go play New Mexico State or something? And maybe- Catch a straight shot there. <laughs> and moving forward, I mean, all these teams are going to be in the same conference pretty much. So there's going to be less non-conference opportunities. It'll be yeah. like some of these conference teams that never play each other. That'll be considered the, a The Big Ten and SEC, it's like, why schedule out a conference unless you're playing, you know, a bottom feeder? So Exactly. Exactly. Like a Vanderbilt. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Vanderbilt's the two straight there. Uh, mine is is Georgia at Tennessee on November eighteenth. I, I wanted to to pick a non Michigan game because obviously you know Michigan Ohio State, Michigan Penn State, yep. Michigan, Michigan State. Those are all top of my list. But outside of Michigan, it's it's Georgia at Tennessee November eighteenth. The main reason is honestly we don't see Georgia play a team with a pulse until this game. Uh, if you if you <laughs> they play Ole Miss the week before on the eleventh November eleventh, but um, I don't think Ole Miss is going to be that great this season. So just to list Georgia's schedule this year, it's UT Martin, Ball State, South Carolina, UAB to start the season all at home, at Auburn, home versus Kentucky, at Vandy, home versus Florida, who could be good, maybe, home versus Missouri, home versus Ole Miss, at Tennessee, at Georgia Tech. That is the easiest schedule for any preseason number one team in the country that I can remember. I know they're in the SEC. People want to wax poetic about the SEC, but that is a Travit tragic schedule, and it's been talked about enough. I don't want to get into it, but Tennessee, really good team. I know they lost Jalen Hyatt. I know they lost Hendon Hooker, but Joe Milton is a Heisman sleeper. Uh, I know he came over from Michigan. He wasn't great at Michigan. Accuracy problems, but the guy has absolutely rocket arm. Yeah, exactly. The dude has arm talent. Just it's it's transcendent, right? And if he can get that accuracy down, which we saw in the Orange Bowl against Clemson last year, he looked damn good against Clemson. And that was light them up. Yeah, and that was a really good defense in Clemson. So of an all-time Orange Bowl game, perfect teams for it. <laughs> really, I mean, it's, it doesn't get any better than that. Doesn't get any better. So Georgia going to Knoxville, going to Rocky Top. That place is going to be out of this world. We saw what it was like against Alabama last season. I expect that atmosphere times ten with the defending Natty champs coming yeah. in. That's going to be a good one. That's going to be that's going to be a really tough one for Georgia. Yeah, and I think keep an eye on Georgia the week before versus Ole Miss. It'll be like the litmus test of if that thing's close and like, you know, Ole Miss is running, or even if they lose, you know, there might be trouble in paradise the next week going into Knoxville. That's gonna be it's gonna be a dogfight down there. And I know and I know Georgia lost, you know, a lot of talent, but they're still loaded. Now I wanna say they did play some close games last year. They were losing for most of that game against Missouri in Missouri last season. So don't forget about that game. Uh, they struggled a little bit. Uh, against Florida, Tennessee wasn't an easy win. I mean, it was an easy win, but they only won by two touchdowns. Um, LSU, they they won that, and, and then the Ohio State, the Ohio State one was was a struggle as well. So there, you know, Georgia looks like flawless when you when you think back on their season last year, but there were some cracks under the surface. They're they're not necessarily invincible. So I think Tennessee has a chance in that game. Uh, I'd still pick Georgia to win, but I mean that's really their only test. So. That's one to circle um, this season. 
I like it. I like it. No, it's going to be a fun game. All right. Upset of the season. Upset of the season. I like to go early. I'm going week one again. You do not have to wait long. September 4th, the Duke Blue Devils are knocking off the Clemson Tigers in the ACC. Riley Leonard, I'm calling it now. He goes off. He's a sleeping Daniel Jones down at down at Duke. Ooh. They've got another one of them. They've got another quarterback under the radar. I think Riley Leonard dices up this Clemson defense, which is all vaunted. I think Clay Klubnik, Klubnik, I forgot how to say it. I think he's a little shaky. They come out of the gates a little shaky, and I think Duke just gets them. They just bite them. They take them down in the ACC, and Clemson's reeling for the rest of the season, and they're fighting over that one loss. But I'm going to go for it the week one. I'm going to give a couple of shout outs to a few other ones. I also think in week one, South Carolina, they're two and a half point underdogs to North Carolina, neutral site in Charlotte. I think they sneak one out. I think Spencer Rattler has a nice game. Um, and Drake May's got all this hype. And I think the team surrounding him isn't quite as good as last year. I think South Carolina gets a nice dub. And then kind of mentioned it earlier. I think Texas knocks out Bama and Tuscaloosa. We've got Oregon State over Utah and Notre Dame over USC. So a little bit of a gauntlet Ooh. there. I like that Notre Dame pick. I would I would second that. I'd piggyback on that one. The Duke one's really interesting. Duke is certainly an underrated team heading into this season. So I like that pick. Clemson. You might be, you might be clipping this in like seven days of just like when Clemson beats him 42 to 7. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's upset of the year, right? These are, these are yep. shot in the dark picks. We're, we're taking our yep. chances. We're not going to be perfect on these, obviously. But I like that pick. That's on Labor Day. That's a Monday night game. So weird scheduling there. You know, college football players aren't used to playing on Mondays. You know, new look Clemson offense, a lot of pressure on Club Nick. Uh, interesting pick. Interesting pick. Mine, my upset of the season is going to surprise some people. And again, I'm not trying to make a homer pick here, but I really do think Wisconsin is going to beat Ohio State in Madison on October 28th. The main reason I think this is going to happen is when you look at Ohio State's football schedule this year, right? They This is a trap game for them because the week it's the week before. The week before this game, they're playing Penn State. And then, you know, they're going to be, they're going to be, that's going to be a bloodbath, right? It's going to take a lot of wear and tear on these guys' bodies. Next week, boom, you're going to Madison. That's a tough one, first of all, right? Then you have the air raid offense of Wisconsin, right? New look. But they're also going to have Braylon Allen, one of the best backs in the Big Ten. We saw what Michigan's running game did against, uh, against Ohio State last year. Uh, PSU, Penn State has those two backs. And they're going to run it all over Ohio State. Then the next week, boom, you got Braylon Allen. That's going to be tough. Um, I just think that's a really tough spot for Ohio State. Uh, you know, after coming off that Penn State game, which is going to be a, a battle. Um, and I think Wisconsin has a chance, and I think they will pull that one off. Uh, Ohio State always has those random, you know, losses against, like I think of the Purdue game, or they lost at Iowa one year. Got spanked at Iowa when Urban Meyer was there. Uh, so they lose these random games on the road. Um, so I, I think I think I'm going to go with that one. I'm going to go Wisconsin over Ohio State, October 28th. Write it down. Scotty, Badgers are going to be dancing. And you know I'm, I'm hating on Ohio State, but they're going to they're going to, then again end up going 12 and 0 and winning the title. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then our last category before we move on to our predictions for the season is just quickly we're going to be doing this every week. Week one betting lock of the week. Take a point spread and make a pick. What you got? 
Let's go. Love this. Love this. I've been all over week one. So um, go sprinkle Duke over Clemson. Like I just said, about plus 400. They're about two touchdown underdogs uh, this coming weekend. But I also like Washington at home versus Boise State. That's a tough, sneaky group of five team, Boise State. Washington, two two touchdown favorites, minus 14. I think Michael Penix, he balls out. I think Boise State's got a lot of hype as that like power five, you know, Cinderella kind of New Year's six team. And I think they just shut them down. I think just blow them out of the water. I think that Washington team is going to be dynamite this year. I think Penix, uh, the, the wideouts, um, that defense is going to be good. So I don't want to be going up towards uh, the Pacific Northwest at all this year. Yeah, that's a really tough spot for Boise State. Now, Boise State is projected to be one of the best group of five teams this year. But week one in Seattle, in that really tough environment, there's a lot of hype around that Washington team. Uh, obviously, Phoenix is getting Heisman hype. They got a stout defense. Tough spot. I like that 14 spread. I think at the very least, I, I, I don't see them you know, in any way winning by less than two touchdowns. So at the very least, they win by 14 and it's a push. Uh, so I, I like that pick. Mine is kind of a random one, but I'm going UMass plus 36 and a half at Auburn. I just think that's a lot of points for, uh, you know, Hugh Freeze's first game at Auburn, Peyton Thorne's first game at quarterback at Auburn, transferring over from uh, Michigan State. He was pretty solid for Michigan State, uh, battled injuries uh, last season, but I think I think UMass, you know, they're not great, but neither is Auburn, and I think they can handle the 36 and a half point spread this weekend. Little love to the Minutemen. I like that. They got a big dub this past weekend in, in week zero. And I think, like I said, good teams win, great teams cover. Give me the Minutemen, covering the spread. Boom. All right. It's time to get into our predictions. I mean, we got comp- we got the Power Five conferences. We're going to predict the group of five conferences as well. We're going to give our college football playoff. But to start, we're going to give our Heisman Trophy winner pick alongside some dark horses as we do. If you're into betting, you can sprinkle some cash on some of the dark horses. I mean, all these guys have good odds, so there's no, you know, there's no overwhelming favorite at this point in the season, I would say. Um, without further ado, who's, who's your Heisman? J.J. McCarthy. <laughs> I know it's going to sound like an overpick for the pod because of William, but I really think J.J. lights it up. And I think there's, he's got the storyline, I think, for a Heisman. He's got the trajectory of, you know, he finally took over last year and they went to the playoff and he's had all this hype for so long and the tools and he's had flashes of brilliance and he's won so many games already, but I think he just puts it all together and he's had this nice every season getting better um, kind of storyline. We also got the suspensions and Harbaugh's out for a few games, different coaches, a little bit of a storyline of of the coaching staff there. I mean, they're not playing you know, anybody great the first few weeks, but I think that adds to it. They've got the hype. I think they're going to go. They're going to run the table. I think they're going undefeated. It's going to ruin my Big Ten pick. But I think they run the table. He's the quarterback. Um, and I know he's got a great supporting cast. He's got Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards. He's got the running backs. He's got wideouts. Great team and everything. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's going to be one of the top teams in the country. Is And their quarterback's going to win the highs. And that's usually how it goes. So I'm going to take J.J. McCarthy. I would say I like Phoenix. I like Bo Nix from, from the Pac-12. <laughs> <laughs> Louis would say pause in that situation, so I had to say it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he just, he's like over, overcast on it. Uh, Bonegs. Uh, so, two Pac 12 guys like Jordan Travis. Um, I love Will Shipley from Clemson, but unfortunately, I don't think a running back's going to get it. So, plus 6,000, it's great odds, but it's probably going to be a quarterback. 
Yeah, it's definitely a quarterback award at this point. I, I mean, that's a very intriguing pick. I, I think the, the only thing that would detract from JJ winning the Heisman is obviously Michigan being so run dominant. Um, I, I, I certainly think, you know, he's a very mature person and I, I think there's going to be a, a, progr- a clear progression for him this season, you know, coming off that really tough playoff game against TCU where he threw two pick sixes. You know, Michigan played the worst possible game they could have in, in that semifinal matchup and only lost by three points. Um, you know, take away those two pick sixes and Michigan probably wins that game. You know, I'm sure JJ thought about that a lot this offseason and, and took that and, and, you know, really worked hard uh, in camp in off-season workouts, et cetera. And, and now it's this is his first full season as the starting quarterback. People forget there was you know that that quarterback controversy with uh, Cade McNamara, who's now at Iowa, and J.J. last season where Cade started game one against Colorado State, J.J. started game two against Hawaii, and then he ended up winning the job. But there was some uncertainty around the quarterback position at Michigan last year, and now it's, it's clearly J.J.'s team. And they're obviously you know rallying around him, and, and he's the guy moving forward. So there is certainly... I can see the path for him, right? You know, Michigan runs the table, even goes 11-1. He's the best player on the team, uh, puts up great numbers because he can run the ball as well. And, and the progression is there. So I like the pick. Um, and I also obviously like uh, your sprinkles there. Will Shipley, I don't think probably won't win. You know, plus 6,000, it's great odds. Put two bucks on it, whatever. Uh, so good, good picks. Yeah. All right, JJ, who you got? My guy, I mean, I, I, my pick is Caleb Williams just because – Poverty conference, uh, you know, he's going to be the number one pick in the draft. Barring injury, this he's going to put up crazy numbers. He already did against San, San Jose State last weekend. Um, so I'm going safe. I'm going conventional. I'm taking Caleb Williams. They're loaded on offense. Tons of weapons at receiver uh, and tight end. Don't love USC as a team. We'll get into that later. Uh, but he's my pick. But outside of that, dark horses. Oh, and also, Williams would become the second ever player to win two Heisman trophies. Uh, Archie Griffin did it in 1974 and 1975, or sorry, back-to-back Heisman trophies. I think Tebow got two. Don't quote me on that. You can Google it maybe while I'm talking. Uh, could be wrong. Um, Timmy T? Yeah, didn't, didn't Tebow win two Heisman? Nah, he only had the one. Okay. Never mind. Uh, but nonetheless, my dark horses, I got Drake May at UNC, another top quarterback in next year's draft. Um, and also Joe Milton. So interesting stat on Drake May. Drake May and Caleb Williams were the only FBF, FBS quarterbacks last year to throw for 4,000 yards with at least 35 touchdowns and less than 10 interceptions. That's kind of what it takes to win the Heisman, right? Obviously, you got to run up the numbers. I think USC or sorry, North Carolina, while they're in, you know they play Clemson, they have a favorable schedule. Just playing in the ACC, relatively weak conference. I think he can put up numbers there. Um, and then Joe Milton, we, we talked about him at Tennessee, pretty easy schedule outside of, you know, Georgia, uh, and Alabama this year. He's got the arm. And those two games, he's, he's got those chances to be the Heisman moment in those games. If he can have that type of season. Exactly. And, you know, Tennessee still has weapons despite losing Jalen Hyatt. So, um, I, I think Joe Milton certainly has the arm talent and the legs to do so. Uh, he'll be, he's really fun, really fun quarterback to watch as a neutral. So, uh, just a fun pick to follow throughout the course of the season, but those are my picks. I like it. I like it. Yeah, safe pick. Caleb Williams is probably the best player in college football. It's going to light up the Pac-12 in those defenses, so he'll put up numbers. Did you see that he's thinking about uh, or like might not be in the NCAA football game last year or next year? And it's like, I mean, who cares? I'm buying the game anyway. <laughs> I'm buying the game anyway. Yeah. They got to put that game out. They got to put that game out. They do. They do. All right, Pac-12. We're going to list our title game and our champion as well as some some major games to watch. 
So title game, we just talked about them. Arguably the best player in college football. So I think USC makes it there. They run the table, but they do not win. They do not win the Pac-12 title game. That goes to Oregon and Bo Nix. Give me the Ducks. Give me the Ducks taking the Pac-12. I know I said Texas Tech has that chance in week two to upset them. I think they win that game. I think Oregon runs the table this year in the back 12. I think Bo Nix has a great season to take the Ducks pretty deep. Hey, Dan Lanning, a head coach, Bo Nix. Uh, Oregon's doing a huge marketing campaign. I don't know if you've seen all the billboards. And they took out a full-page ad in the New York Times. For this bodacious ad campaign kind of came out bodacious, of nowhere. Interesting. Knows. Interesting, interesting choice there for Oregon. My pick is Washington versus USC in the title game, and I got Washington winning it, mainly because I am so sick of this USC hype because they have not proven me that they're not as soft as a baby's ass. We saw what happened <laughs> against Utah twice last season. They got they lo- this team lost to two lane in in, in their uh, bowl game. I think it was the Cotton Bowl. I mean, you can't lose to two lane. <laughs> two lane plays in like a five thousand seat stadium. So that, <laughs> I, I'm sick until. Until USC proves to me that they're not charming soft on defense, then they're they're not they're not my pick to win the Pac-12. I can see them losing to Notre Dame. I can see them even losing to Oregon or uh, in the regular season. So, I mean, they might not even make the Pac-12 championship game. I'm worried about Cam Rising at Utah. He's towards ACL against Penn State in the in the Rose Bowl last year. He's not fully healthy yet. But we all know Utah. I mean, they won the Pac-12 two years in a row, and they're they are USC's bogey team. They play. Uh, they, USC plays them later in the season, so um, maybe Rising will be healthy by then. Um, mm-hmm. that, that's a, I, I'm just so sick of this USC. They didn't look good against San Jose State on Saturday. I mean, they gave up, what, 28 points, 21 points. Uh, it was close in the first half in that game. So I'm not picking USC to go to the playoff. I, I know they brought in some transfers on defense. I believe it when I see it. I believe it when I see it. I don't know. Do you feel yeah. the same way? Like You, you picked Oregon with a thing. So yeah, I, mean, I, I think USC is going to win the games they should, but it's like they go at, I mean, it won't count towards the conference, but they're at Notre Dame. I think that's a tough game for them. Um, they're at Oregon late in the season in November. And that's going to be a tough environment. I've said it's picked Oregon. So it could be um, a, re- a rematch up there. They're um, at home versus Washington. They've got Utah, which we mentioned. One game I want to highlight is Oregon at Washington, yeah. October 21st. That's a big game. That's a big game. That'll be a fun one. There's some sneaky good Pac-12 games this year, yep. and I ultimately think, for you know, for old times' sake, the last year of the Pac-12, I think they, in classic Pac-12 fashion, they play themselves out of the playoff yet again. They play themselves out. They're going to shoot themselves in the foot. I think like Oregon's going to beat Washington. Washington's going to beat USC. USC's going to lose to Notre Dame, and then they're going to meet in the playoff. And some, you know, they're all going to have two losses or something like that. Exactly, exactly. Um, some major games to highlight from the Pac-12 this year. We got Oregon at Texas Tech. Talked about that one. September 9th, USC at Notre Dame in South Bend. That's going to be a great game. October 14th, Oregon at Washington, the 21st of October. Uh, Utah, Utah at USC, the 21st of October. Oregon at Utah, the 28th. And then Washington at USC, uh, November 4th. And USC at Oregon, uh, November 11th. So, there's there's a really good chance these teams cannibalize each other just reading off those games. Yeah, there's gonna be there's gonna be some fun Pac-12 after dark games. The last year of it, really. So we got to enjoy it while we have it. Yeah. Next conference, the ACC Atlantic Coastal Conference. 
it's really between Florida State and Clemson, I think, this year. Who's your pick? Spoiler, we both took Clemson versus Florida State as the title matchup, but we picked two different teams. I'm going with the Seminoles. I'm going with Florida State. I think they do lose this first week to LSU, but then I think they turn it around and they just go into tear the rest of the season. They have 17, 17 returning starters from last season. 17. They also, one of them is Jordan Travis. I saw a game last year, the last regular season game versus Florida in Tallahassee. This guy is electric. He was going up against Anthony Richardson. He looked like a far better quarterback. I know he's a lot smaller, but he looked electric. They played fantastic. They've also got Trey Benson back at running back, Johnny Wilson at wide receiver. Their offense is going to be great. They have Jared Burris on defense, a couple of great linebackers, um, nine returning starters on defense, only two new guys. I just think it's a veteran presence. Mike Norvell's had a couple of recruiting classes, had a couple of classes of his guys. They're at this point where he's turning around. I think like two years ago, he was really on a hot seat. Yeah. And now, now here they are. I'm looking at them. It's like, I think they run the table here in the ACC, and I think they win this. I think they win this conference. So Florida State and Clemson play each other on September 23rd. That's, you know, circle that one right now. Like mark that on yep. your calendars. That's the ACC of game of the year. Uh, and now they could very well again play each other in the in the conference championship. With we both have that happening, and they could both right. potentially make the playoff even after that game. But that's still one to watch. Obviously, you want to win that one. Um, outside of that, you got Florida State against LSU this weekend, and then Florida State at Florida last weekend of the year. I think Florida will be better than they were last year. Um, I'm going with Clemson over Florida State in, in the title game. You talk about all the production that that Florida State brings back. Clemson's bringing 73% of their defensive production back this year. That's 23rd in the FBS. Cade Klubnick, first full season at the helm at quarterback. You know, Clemson went Taj Boyd, Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence, and then a bit of a no man's land with DJ Ungolalele. And now it's, is it Cade Klubnick? I, I, you know, while they lost the game, I saw some signs from him in the Orange Bowl this season. The bringing in Garrett Riley as the offensive coordinator from TCU, a highly thought of football mind. I don't think he's going to be at Clemson very long because I don't think Riley's brother. I can't, don't quote me on that. I'm not sure, but I, I don't think he is. Uh, but highly, highly thought of football player, uh, football mind. And I don't think he's going to be at Clemson long. I think he's going to get a head coaching gig here soon. He is Lincoln Riley's brother. He's the younger brother of Lincoln Riley. Okay. Interesting. That I mean, that only you know, only makes me feel better about this case that I'm making for for Clemson. Uh, so I, I th- they clearly knew that the defense or the offense was something that they needed to to fix this year. And then you know the roster's filled with four star, five star talent around that the around Klubnik. So I really do think that Clemson is going to be back to relevancy this year. And people forget Clemson if they beat South Carolina the last week of the season last year, they're probably in the playoff as well. So. Uh, they were close. They're kind of like USC was last year. They're kind of like um, even like an Alabama. Like they were close to making the playoff last season. People forget about that. So I think Clemson turns it around this year. DJ's gone. Klubnik's back uh, at the helm. And Clemson over Florida State in a tight one. Um, and I think I'm going to – spoiler, I, I got Clemson in the playoff this year. Uh, mm-hmm. ACC's back in, in the playoff. I like it. I like it. Yeah, that'll be a fun game in September when those two match up. All right, Big 12. We're going back to Texas. I've said it a few times, and we're landed in Austin. Give me the Longhorns. Texas is back. They're back this year, and they're taking on 
the Kansas State Wildcats in the title game. The Kansas State puts together a sneaky little season just like last year. They make the title game, but I think Texas just lights it up. I think Quinn has an unreal season. I've already said it a couple of times. I think they knock up Alabama in Tuscaloosa. Um, doesn't help their Big 12 standings, but I think it just keeps them rolling, and they're going to have a hell of a season. Um, so give me the Longhorns. I think Texas is back. Yeah, so I, Texas is my pick in the Big 12 as well. I got them over Oklahoma in the title game. It's really a bet on on Quinn Ewers' development and Steve Sarkeesian. Ewers needs to – he has a ton of pressure on him. I you know, make an argument that he is the – you know one of has the most pressure on him out of any quarterback in the country just because of the, the pressure that comes with Texas. But also you have Arch Manning looming where if Ewers isn't good this year, boom, Manning, Manning's got all the hype in the world. He's going to be that guy uh, next year for them. So uh, I, 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 li- I think Ewers is going to be good this year. You got A.D. Mitchell transferring in from Georgia at wide receiver. He's got two, two of the biggest catches in Georgia football history. Um, he, he's going to take some pressure off of the five-star stud, Xavier Worthy, uh, who struggled a little bit last year, but I think he's going to be good. All five starters back off on the offensive line. They bring in safety Jalen Catalan from Arkansas cornerback Gavin Holmes from Wake Forest. Uh, defense should be good enough, but the defense certainly is, is behind the offense at Texas. But I think it's enough to get them over the hill in the Big 12. I don't think they make the playoff. They're not a playoff team for me this year. I don't think there's going to be a Big 12 team in the playoff. I think it's the same thing as the Pac-12. Like They shoot themselves in the foot and just play themselves out of contention. Like I think Oklahoma might be like 7-5 and five and somehow knock out Texas like before the Big 12 title game and you know stuff like that. Yeah, and I think the Big 12 will be just kind of fun to watch this year because it's it's the only season where we're going to have these new teams in the conference as well as Oklahoma and Texas. So it's kind of like a one-season wonder year for the Big 12. So this is the only time we're going to see this iteration of the Big 12. So kind of enjoy this uh, this season. And look out for those squads. I mean, BYU's got Keaton Slovis. I don't think they're going to be like crazy good, but he's a veteran quarterback. Cincinnati's been you know dominant the last few years. Um, UCF is sneaky with John Reese Pumley, which will be fun. Yeah. Um, Houston versus all those Texas teams. Like that, these teams are going to be sneaky. They're going to be competitive games. Two, two sport athlete, uh, Plumley. He plays football at UCF as well. So yeah, big games in the big 12 this year, just a couple Texas at Alabama, uh, September 9th. And then Texas against Oklahoma, uh, October 7th, as well as Oklahoma, Oklahoma state. The last iteration of that rivalry on November 4th. Those are some games to watch in the Big 12. And, you know, a lot of these teams play each other similar to uh, the Pac-12 and the ACC because there is no, there are no divisions in that conference this season. Uh, I think I'm like 99% sure on that. Don't quote me. Yeah. Um, but that, that we both got Texas coming out of Big 12. Mm-hmm. The big one, the, we're into the, the big two here, uh, the Big 10 and then the SEC. But Big 10, what's your prediction? We're going to go with Michigan. We're going to go with Michigan. Um, I picked JJ as the Heisman. I think that's a big reason why. But I just, you know, I, th- I think Michigan gets it done. They've got a lot of guys returning. Um, you'll hit on a couple points, but the O-line looks fantastic with a lot of these transfers. Um, they made the playoff last year. JJ makes a run. Um, I don't think the suspensions or anything are going to cause, like, any actual issues or anything. They're playing, you know, just a couple of teams in the first few weeks. So I think they run the table. Um, they're not going to knock up everyone they're going to play. They're going to own Ohio State, I think, again here. But I am going to have them playing, not the Cinderella of Wisconsin, but Iowa, representing the Big Ten West in Indianapolis. Um, I think they have a sneaky season down there at Iowa. I think the defense is fantastic. they got Cooper DeGene as arguably one of the best players in the country on defense. 
I think Cade has a good year. They were abysmal on offense last year. They need like two touchdowns a game with how good their defense is, and they would get like a field goal pretty much every game. But I think Cade has a, a good season. Um, we got some good tight ends, and I think they get a good couple wins. I think they actually knock off Wisconsin. We talked about a little bit earlier, but um, they won't beat Michigan in Indianapolis. But I like I would make it represent the Big Ten West and Michigan ultimately to make the playoff um, and make a run for the Big Ten. I mean, as long as Iowa's football players aren't betting on the unders in their own games, then they have a chance. Yeah, yeah, that was. Is, is that because of the state of Iowa? Is that they were representing, like they were physically in the state of Iowa? Or is it just because they were college athletes? For like betting on, like rules wise? Like, I think they were betting on stuff, but wasn't it also partly because they were in the state of Iowa? I'm not sure exactly. I mean, I know as like a college athlete, you can't even play like fantasy football for money. So, yeah. but yeah, that's crazy. I mean, Iowa State's starting quarterback was one of those guys that was in that whole deal. So he's not. He's not the quarterback right now. I don't even think he's with the team. Just ridiculous. I mean, it's that's a story to follow just in sports in general is, is the influence on gambling's having on the sport, which I really hope, you know, <sighs> something's got to happen with this. It's, it's ridiculous. But I, I like the Iowa pick. It's going to be Iowa or Wisconsin, I think, in, in the West this year in the Big Ten. So that's a good pick. My, my title game is Michigan versus Wisconsin, and I'm going to go with Michigan to, to win the Big Ten again this year for a third straight season. Now, I, I do think there's a very good chance you can make arguments for Ohio State, you can make arguments for Penn State, and I do think there's a, a great chance that either of those teams make it. I don't think Michigan is a lock by any means to, to win the Big Ten again this year. I mean, there's a lot of distractions heading into the season with the coaching. Harbaugh came out and said today some some comments, had some comments on revenue sharing uh, for college athletes. So. There's a lot of off the field distractions with Michigan this season, but you know I think they whereas you know previous Michigan would would not have been able to handle those. The current iteration of Michigan does a much better job of handling outside distractions. Um, and obviously, we talk about all of all of the, the returning guys. You know they bring back they bring, basically bring back everybody. Um, they beefed up the offensive line with transfers Drake Nugent and Miles Hinton from Stanford, as well as Ladarius Henderson from Arizona State alongside Zach's intern, Trevor Keegan. I mean, it's the best offensive line in the country by, you know, they're probably going to win the offensive line of the year award for a third straight season. I mean, you pair the best offensive line in the country with two of the best running backs in the country, Blake Corm and Donovan Edwards. Donovan Edwards could be a wide receiver with the hands that he has. And Blake Corm is coming back off injury. So I worry a little bit about that. Uh, people forget he wasn't in the Ohio State game or the playoff game last season. He's our best player last year. So he's, you know, best back in the country or, or one of the best backs in the country alongside Donovan Edwards, who's a top 10 back in the country, top five back in the country, um, just absolutely loaded on offense. You got JJ McCarthy is one of the better quarterbacks in the off in the country um, defense. You know, there's more question marks around the defense, but Braden McGregor uh, first full season of really starting, you got Mason Graham, Chris Jenkins, Will Johnson at cornerback, second season, five-star recruit. Um, was really good as a freshman last year. I think he's he's going to um, progress even more and be one of the best lockdown corners in the country. You got Rod Moore at free safety, absolute stud. Makari Page at Makari Page at strong safety, bit of a question mark there. Mike Stander still back for another season. Had one of the biggest plays of the year against Ohio State, knocking knocking that uh, touchdown pass away from um, the tight end at Ohio State. Can't remember his name. Uh, one question. I mean, I know it's. Not necessarily a huge deal, but it kind of is. Is they do lose Jake Moody at kicker, who was the best kicker in the country last year. He's with the 49ers now. Uh, Bringing a transfer from, I believe, Texas Tech. His name's James Turner. Um, supposedly good, but you know Jake Moody was great. Single-handedly won the Iowa, uh, the Illinois game for us last year. I, I would argue. So there are question marks with Michigan, 
but I think there's the least amount of question marks with Michigan uh, in the Big Ten East. You know, Ohio State has the quarterback questions, and Penn State, while you know they're great, Drew Aller at quarterback, first full season, Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen at running back. I think that's an amazing duo in the backfield that rivals Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, in my opinion. Uh, and they have Ole Fashanu at offensive tackle. Uh, but do you want to bet on James Franklin, right? That's the main thing with Penn State getting over the hump there. I think Penn State could beat Michigan and Happy Valley this year. I think that's very possible. But Michigan can beat Ohio State. And then when, you know, then you got a tiebreaker scenario, right? Between those three teams. So Big Ten's loaded, man. It's just going to come down to those those three games, really. Penn State at Ohio State on October 22nd, uh, 21st. Michigan at Penn State. November 11th, and then Ohio State at Michigan, 11-25. It's going to be fun. I mean, it, it 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 can go either way, but right now my pick is going to be Michigan, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, I think like you said, Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State. I mean, home field advantage is going to be huge in those games. Uh, you got Wisconsin, got Iowa on the, the other side of the division. Um, I got the Gophers, too, a little sneaky pick, the hometown squad. But the Gophers, I mean, it's just so open on that side. Who gets hot at the right time um, on that division? Yeah, M- Minnesota – some culture things coming out over the summer. I don't know, PJ Fleck. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I saw that report. I think I think it was it was kind of a whole lot of nothing. It was you know, I think it was right after the Northwestern stuff, so it got taken pretty seriously though, which is obviously good. But I think it kind of got pushed to the side. I don't think it was anything too crazy. Yeah, it was. It was right after the Northwestern thing. Um, but Michigan, yeah, Michigan has to go at Minnesota and then also um, at Nebraska. First year Matt Rule at Nebraska coming over from the Panthers. Two tough they'll be in tough, games. Yeah, then they'll be a tough out this year, Nebraska. I don't see them, you know, circling the wagons, but they'll be a tough out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Big Ten, always a lot of fun to watch. But right now we both got Michigan coming out of there. And then finally, the SEC, pr- the best conference in the country, I-, I think it's fair to say. Definitely the you know top teams in the country. Uh, Joe, I mean, who's your pick? We're going down to the bayou. Give me the Tigers. How about them Tigers? I got LSU going back to the title game. They're taking on Georgia again, and this time they get it done. You got the LSU Tigers winning the Southeastern Conference. Had eight returning offensive starters. Jaden Daniels, kind of a sleeper, too. If they run the table here, it'd be a nice little bet for the Heisman yeah. as well. Got Malik Neighbors at wideout. Mason Taylor at tight end. Both their running backs are back. They also got a Notre Dame transfer, Logan Diggs. Um, 4-0 linemen are returning. Um, they start the season this weekend, big test against Florida state. I think they win that one. It'll be a tough competitive game and then they get rolling. Um, they run the table here in the SEC. Wow. And have a hell of a season for Brian Kelly in his second season. Yeah. I mean, they were really close to making the playoff last year. You know, you can make the argument if they beat, uh, and, uh, and they would have to be Georgia in the title game, but they wouldn't have had a chance heading into the final weekend of the season to make the playoff. They got Florida state, like you said, week one. And then outside of that, the only really difficult challenging game i would say is at alabama on november 4th i can see them winning that game uh just because i don't think either of us are that high on alabama this season so uh yeah lsu that's a good pick uh George, beating georgia i mean that's, t- that's that takes some some guts but you you know put your put yourself out there like that just you know, beating georgia in the title game that's tough but i like the pick i'm going georgia lsu title game as well but i got georgia winning um this season uh in the sec championship game but i We'll get into LSU later, but I really do like uh, what they have. Uh, best linebacker, best best defensive player in the country, uh, as well as Jane Daniels at QB. Brian Kelly, who for all of his flaws, he is a great football coach. Um, 
and I, I think they get it done in Baton Rouge. Not not a difficult schedule. Not a difficult schedule. Um, some major SEC games to watch this year: Tennessee at Bama, October twenty first; LSU at Bama, November fourth; and then Georgia at Tennessee, November eighteenth. Tennessee is a sleeper team for me this year because they got that easy schedule, except for that Georgia game and the Alabama game. And we already talked about Joe Milton and some of the weapons. So I think Tennessee could be a sleeper in that, that uh, SEC yeah. East. I think to look out for Ole Miss, I think they're going to get Lane Kiffin every year. I think he's due, you know, he's good for, you know, one or two just upset wins yeah. and just keeping them close and, and pulling something out. So, um, and he likes those trick plays and everything like that. So he leaves it on the table. So, um, you never know any any given Saturday in the SEC. That's what they say. Jackson Dart, uh, Ole Miss has some of the best uniforms in the country, so that gives them some bonus points. Are they starting Dart though? Because they got Spencer Sanders transferred in from Oklahoma State. Right. I don't think they've named one. I don't think they. I think it's between those two. I, I like I like Spencer Sanders at Oklahoma State. I think he kind of flew under the radar a bit for them. I don't think they've named a starter, but don't quote me on that one. Yeah, he, he hasn't. So as of today, they haven't. But I think he. It sounds like he's leaning Dart, which. That would be tough for Spencer Sanders. He started like four years at Oklahoma State, and I would try to go transfer to the SAC. He doesn't play. Um, that'd be tough. Should have gone to Vandy. Guaranteed starter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Prime. I mean, you, you get some good competition. That's for sure. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll we'll fly through the group of five, uh, but we'll we'll predict the other conferences here. Uh, who you got in, in these group of five conferences? Yeah, let me lay it out here. So the American, I'm going to take UTSA. Going to have another great season there. Mountain West, Boise State, even though they're going to lose to Washington this weekend. The MAC, MAC, I'm going Toledo, give me the Rockets. Conference USA, I think Austin Reed lights that up at Western Kentucky. And then my personal favorite, for the first time ever, representing the Sun Belt in a New York Six Bowl game, Troy. Troy Trojans. Troy Trojans. And... I think they're going to have a crazy win. I picked Kansas State to make the Big 12 championship in a non-conference game week two. I think Troy beats Kansas State. They also play week four versus Western Kentucky from Conference USA and Austin Reed. I think they get that win as well. I think they're going to have a good season. I think they're underrated. It's going to be on the offense more so. The defense is unbelievable. Best in Conference USA or in the Sun Belt, I mean. It's going to be on the offense. Can the running backs and the quarterbacks um, really run the table here? And it'd be pretty cool. It's, it'd be... I wonder what the odds would be on this, but for them to represent the group of five from the Sun Belt in the New Year's Six game would be pretty crazy. I like that pick. Uh, that, that's a, that'd be a fun one. I I would always run Troy Dynasties in like NCAA football 2014, and because they were like the worst team on the game, so I'd always try to you know build them up into a powerhouse, and eventually, obviously, winning multiple national championships as one does in NCAA football dynasties, which I cannot wait to do again next summer. So I like that pick. I'm going with the AAC. I'm going UTSA as well. Mountain West, I'm taking Boise State as well. In the MAC, I'm taking Miami of Ohio. And then Conference USA, major underdog sleeper pick, Jacksonville State, their first year in FBS football. Rich this Rodriguez year. is their head coach. They beat UTEP. Rich Rod's the coach? Yeah, Rich Rod's their coach. <laughs> they beat UTEP last weekend at home. So I'm taking them. And then Sunbelt, I'm going to go Troy as well. Uh, but Boise State's going to be my pick to represent – um, the group of five in in, uh, in the New York Six Bowl this year. They they have a run dominant offense. George Holani rushed for 1,100 yards last year and 10 touchdowns. Ashton GT is another good running back they have. Taylor Green, their quarterback, uh, had 586 yards and 10 touchdowns last year on the ground as well. So they play, I mean they got a tough one obviously week one at Washington. I agree. I think they probably lose that game. 
Uh, it's not a not a cakewalk for Washington, but it'll be a tough one. Uh, but I think Boise State gets it together in the Mountain West, and I think they should. Man, Boise State. They, I mean, they used to be like the Gonzaga of college college football. I, they need to get in a real conference. No offense to the Mountain West, but put them in the Big Twelve. Put them in whatever happens of the Pac twelve. Like they're they're a really good team, good program. It, I think it's interesting. They like it's funny that the Big Twelve picked BYU. Like they could have very well just taken Boise State for that spot. Yeah, BYU is another really good program. I will say they're underrated. That's a really tough place to play. Um, yeah, Provo, baby. Yeah, Provo, Utah. Never been. Don't plan on it, but looks like a pretty place. Looks like a tough place to play. Um, yeah. But yeah, nonetheless, Boise State's my pick, and you got Troy coming out of the group of five. Uh, don't sleep on Memphis. Shout out to my Memphis fans listening. I don't know anything about them this year, but feel free to let me know. And uh, the AAC is up. Uh, go look at the teams in that conference. <laughs> it is really bad. Really bad. Because uh, they lost, obviously, UCF, Houston, and Cincinnati. Those were three of the powerhouses in that conference for so long. It's looking bleak. You got- so we've got Charlotte, East Carolina, FAU, Memphis, North Texas, Rice, SMU, which is in talks to leave to go to ACC, South Florida, Temple, Tulane, Tulane, baby, let's go. Ride the green wave. Yep. Uh, UAB, UTSA, and Navy. That is an interesting football conference for the season. It is absolutely worse. Like, they were kind of just a feeding ground for the Big 12, though, just now. Like, they kind of just poached whoever they wanted. And, and Memphis fans have been dying to go to the Big 12 for as long as I can remember. And I kind of feel bad for them getting continually passed up. Uh, I just mm-hmm. don't think it has the big, a big enough market. Like SMU has Dallas, you know, BYU. Yep. It might be BYU. Houston's a bigger market. Cincy's a bigger market. So it makes sense. UCF, Orlando, a bigger market. I don't know. Memphis definitely needs to find a new conference here soon. And I mean, we couldn't do a college football podcast without doing our playoff predictions. I I hate doing these because they're going to look so bad come, come January, but we have to do it. Um, So without further ado, Joe, who who's in your college football playoff for the 2023 season? We got my big 10 conference champion, Michigan Wolverines as the number one team in the country going to this tournament. My second, down the bayou, the LSU Tigers. My third, their only loss I'm predicting is to LSU in the conference championship, Georgia. They do not play in the regular season. And number four, representing the Pac-12, I think they get it done. They make it the Oregon Ducks and Bo Nix. Let's go, Bo Nix. Wow. Okay. Wow. Foundation. Oregon. I mean, I'd love to see the Pac-12 get a rep in the, in the, in the, championship, or in the playoff in their last season of existence. And then who, who's your natty and who's your champions? It's an SEC rematch. It's LSU versus Georgia. But give me them Tigers. Go Tigers. Wow, you're really high. So they go undefeated? I'm going all in. I'm all in on the Tigers. Wow. Go bet that on DraftKings right now. Undefeated season. Louise, get on that. 15-0. and 0. That's They're running the table. Okay. He's high on LSU. I respect it. Uh, all SEC title game again. Uh, wouldn't, wouldn't die for that, but... I wouldn't be also would not be surprised at all if that happens. Uh, my playoff, I'm going with Georgia as the one seed, running the table in the regular season and winning the conference title against LSU. Two seed Michigan, Big Ten champion. Three seed LSU, going 11 and one. Uh, they're my three seed, and then four seed. I'm going Clemson. I think Clemson has a really good chance at making the playoff this year. I think they'll beat Duke Week One, even though you think Duke's going to win that game. And then I think they'll beat Florida State because they got that game at home. 
and then they'll beat him again in the conference title game. I just, I'd rather bet on Dabo Sweeney against Mike Norvell. Just comes down to that. Uh, I, I, I would love to see Norvell prove me wrong because I like him. He's a former Memphis guy, but right now my pick's Clemson. Doesn't really matter. I think, you know, because I think they're better this year, right? Their offense is going to be better, but it doesn't matter. They're going to get boat raced by Georgia. Now, Georgia does have question marks. Don't get me wrong. You know, first season, new quarterback. Um, no more Stetson Bennett. Back. Carson Beck. They're, they're going to miss Stetson Bennett and his creativity, his ability to, like, use his legs and, and make it's something out of nothing. Stetson Bennett was a very underrated quarterback. And I think he actually might have an NFL future. Don't get me wrong there. Um, so, Beck is going to be great. Or, sorry, isn't going to be great right away, but... Again, they don't play anybody, so he has the full season to develop into you know the quarterback that they want him to become. Come Tennessee week eleven, whatever it is, I think he'll be ready to go. I think uh, you know that's going to help them. Obviously, they have a, you know immense talent. They lost a lot to the NFL, but they're still loaded. Brock Bowers at tight end is scary, and they got some wide receivers now as well. So Georgia, Michigan, LSU, Clemson. I think Georgia spanks Clemson, and I think Michigan sneaks by LSU in a tight one. And I think Georgia beats Michigan in the title, and I think Georgia wins three straight, uh, which you know wouldn't be great for the sport per se. And I, I don't think it's a lock by any means. I just don't have the guts to pick anybody besides Georgia. Uh, but I do think this Georgia team isn't as good as the ones in years before. So I do think there's a chance that we might finally see you know someone not named Georgia, um, you know, make win the championship. And who knows? I mean, there could be a world in which they lose to Tennessee and, and lose title game or don't even make the title game and, and don't even make the playoff. But right now I'm still going Georgia as my champion. Yeah. Small note too. I said, Georgia would be the three seed. Oregon would be the four. I think it's actually reversed. I think Oregon would be the three Georgia, the four only reason being is I think LSU will be the two team in the country behind Michigan going to this. And they would never schedule LSU versus Georgia back-to-back weeks. I think the playoff would be bad for ratings and money wise. That's a good point. That's a good point. They kind of did that last year. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, with the Michigan Ohio State deal, yeah, they were like, we we can't schedule this again. Yeah, which I mean, okay, that's fair. I'm glad that didn't happen. I'm also really glad Michigan didn't have to play Ohio State in the title game. That would have been even worse. We were really close to that happening too. I mean, I know neither of them played in the title game, but Michigan beats TCU as you know, as much as TCU fans hate to say, Michigan wins that game nine times out of ten. They played the worst possible game they could have, and then Ohio State should Ohio State should have beaten Georgia. So. Um, but that was last year. This is this year. I mean, I could not be more excited. Week zero gave us a little bit of a taste, but week zero isn't isn't the full thing. And we get the full thing this weekend. Could not be more excited. And I mean, with that, I mean, kick off this weekend. How you, uh, excitement levels. How you feeling? Ten, 10 out of 10, dude. It's a perfect time. It's a great time to be a sports fan. We have some great games. Like I said, I think Duke pulls out just... <laughs> Rabbit out of its hat. I think Riley Leonard is, is the game of his life this weekend. Um, got Florida State, LSU. There's some really good, fun games, especially with no NFL um, to start the season here. And it, it'll just be great to have it all on and, and definitely going to be watching some ball for sure. Yes, sir. Um, hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. The first of many of the season. We'll be dropping pods weekly, college football uh, podcast. Uh, we'll, we'll think of some gimmicks and, and some topics to, to discuss weekly, some, some categories, et cetera, and whatnot. Um, but had a lot of fun making this one. Hope you enjoyed it. Don't take our picks seriously because they're probably all going to be wrong. Don't bet on all of them. Uh, but also maybe just fade us. Maybe just fade us. <laughs> maybe just fade us. But also, I think UMass plus thirty six and a half this weekend, and you like Washington minus fourteen. So take those and run run them uh, to the bank. 
we should keep track of our locks of the week this season as well. Uh, for sure. So, uh, but anyway, thank you all for listening and we will catch you guys on the next episode. Peace out. Peace out.